Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two. <clears throat> Let me do that one more time. That's the wrong number. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 363 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Seth Fred Olive, and we have a small crew this week. Unfortunately, Krim having some internet issues, so he couldn't be with us today. He should be back next week, but we do have the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How's it going this fine Monday, Richard? Hey, Seth, doing well. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing uh, I'm doing well as well. We should have an interesting cast today. This is one of those weird weeks we're not in spoiler season. Everything's kind of like gearing back up after the holidays, so we don't have a ton of news from Wizards. So we got a bunch of small topics to jump around to today. We got a big historic uh, tournament we wanted to mention. We got new secret layers. We got some tournament coverage news, some Magic Arena news. So we're going to be bouncing around today, uh, jumping from topic to topic before answering your fish mail questions. So that is the plan for today. Before we jump into it, a reminder that our show today is brought to you by Card Conduit. And we've been telling you about Card Conduit for a while. They're a great way to sell your Magic collection. And with their curated shipment service, you can sell your valuable cards with a reduced service fee. As long as your cards have a retail value of $2 or more, you can send as many as you want and still just pay a 5% service fee. Plus, like with all of Card Conduit services, you don't gotta sort your cards, you don't gotta grade your cards. You get to skip over all those hassles and just safely package everything up and ship it out. And of course, You'll get a detailed report with their results. So check out curated shipments. Uh, so check out Card Conduit's curated shipment option as a way to buy list cards with fast processing, optimized prices, and the low, low service fee at just five percent. And you can even get another ten percent off by going to cardconduit.com/mtggoldfish. Card Conduit, they're the easiest way to sell your magic cards. So thanks so much to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And let's start this week with some historic action. So we had a pretty big historic tournament this weekend, the biggest one in a while, 160-some players, a Huglandia Open event. And I think this event's pretty interesting because it's the first really big historic event we've had since Alchemy came out. Richard, what went down at the Huglandia Open this weekend? All right. Uh, so the the tournament results are on, on the website. First place went to Heliod Company. Second place, Golgari Food. Third place, Grixis Combo. And then basically four to eight is four Is It decks. Uh, is It Phoenixes, Tempo, and then Azorius Control thrown in there for good measure at six. Uh, so a lot of Is It. Oh, I, I don't know, Seth. Is this is this normal? Is this is this different from pre-Alchemy? <laughs> So that was actually like my big takeaway looking at this is there's been a lot of uh, anger, angst, whatever about alchemy and its impact on historic. And this looks just like pretty much every other historic tournament I've seen. Like if you look through the most played cards coming in at number 10 on the creature list is Inquisitor Captain and further down in our like top 32, top 64, there are some like blink style decks that are using Inquisitor Captain as like its main engine. So we've seen a, like tiny impact from alchemy but really heliod company food decks a bunch of is it decks this is the same historic we've been seeing for a really long time so i'm actually kind of curious if like 
I don't know, maybe some of this outrage over the impact of alchemy on historic is ending up being overblown. Like maybe alchemy is just not having that big of an impact on the format. So obviously it's had some, but just looking at these deck lists, it doesn't seem like it's been a really, really huge amount. This doesn't take away from some of the issues of, you know, costing more in nerfs. There's obviously no gold span dragons running around when that was a fringe thing. You'd see the mono white is certainly worse. The human decks, thanks to Luminarch Aspirant, that was an actual top tier deck that is kind of dropped down as far as this tournament, at least, maybe in part because Luminarch Aspirant's not a thing, but really, this looks pretty much like every historic tournament. So what do you think, Richard, is, I don't know, is some of this anger, I don't know, overblown, or are, are we too angry about the impact of alchemy and really ends up not doing much at all? Maybe, I don't know, are you telling me the internet has unreasonable responses to things? Uh, but is this bad? Like, shouldn't we see something? Like, you know, you, you don't want one deck overpowering the format, right? But if the format looks exactly the same, like, isn't that also bad? So I'm not, I'm not sure where we're supposed to end up on this, but, uh, you know, we, we did talk about maybe Inquisitor Captain being too strong. Well, I think the results say maybe not. I think everyone's kind of adapted and figured it out and it's like, maybe okay. But like, okay, does it need buffs? Like, what's going on? Where are all the alchemy cards, Seth? Yeah, I mean, and really, like, I think it is important to keep to mind that in mind that the alchemy cards and the buffs and the nerfs are really designed for the alchemy format. And that's one of the big problems I had with this whole system is like historic isn't the focus of all these changes. It's just kind of like along for the ride, which is something I dislike. But I don't think Wizards was really necessarily intending the alchemy cards to be new historic staples. Whether or not this is a good thing, I guess, depends on your opinion of alchemy. If you're someone who's like, hey, I like new cards. Uh, you know, I don't really care if they're digitally exclusives, then not seeing many alchemy cards might be disappointing. On the other hand, if you're someone who was really worried that all these new cards and all these nerfs and buffs were just going to like take over the historic format and make it unrecognizable, that doesn't seem to be happening either. So I think it really depends on your feelings on alchemy, how you're going to feel about these tournament results. And I will say, like, it's a little encouraging that we only have four is it decks in the top eight. It wasn't that long ago, like a few months ago that we were literally getting eight out of eight is it decks in the top eight. So maybe historic has improved as far as its diversity a little bit, like looking over the meta. It looks pretty reasonable. The number one deck was Is It Phoenix at 12% of the meta. Uh, and that's followed very closely by Golgari uh, Agro, which was 11%. And then 27% of the decks fall into the other category, not one of like the main archetypes. So it seems like a, a pretty diverse meta at this point. So I think, honestly, I've been playing a lot of Historic on stream lately. And I think the format's actually in a really good place. And I think that maybe the the worries that Alchemy was going to make it some uh, somewhat unrecognizable and just dominate the format, those worries, at least so far, seem to be unfounded. That doesn't mean there's not issues with it. And we're going to get another Alchemy set in a few months. And maybe that's what happens eventually. And it doesn't take away the issues with the buffs. But I would say these results, for me, are pretty encouraging. It's not all, is it? And it seems like a pretty diverse metagame. So it seems like a W, right? So like people were afraid that their historic decks would rotate too fast and they would waste all their wild cards. But, you know, it, it seems like if you had Is It Phoenix before, you can still play <laughs> like literally card for card. You're fine. Uh, and, yeah. you know, if you wanted to experiment with some alchemy cards, you have that opportunity as well. So maybe Wizards knew what they were doing. Like it somehow turned out <laughs> OK, right? 
it's definitely not the worst case that that everyone was freaking out about i would say like that much is is definitely clear and maybe it is a win-win as you said like you can still play your old decks maybe discounting humans that did kind of get wrecked by luminarchus pirate being nerfed but outside of that one deck in specific I don't know, maybe this works out for everyone. You can try new things if you want to, or you can play your same old historic deck and be competitive either way. Maybe that's a good thing. And it is exciting to see some new things happening in the format after it's been dominated by Is It for so long. Like 2021 was a year of Is It across formats, but really in historic in specific. It was just so dominated by Is It decks. So for me, it's exciting to see all these different decks and not see Enchantress on there, see food decks on there, see these random aggro decks and so forth, see a little bit of alchemy in there. To me, that's really exciting compared to a tournament a few months ago where it's just like, hey, time warp, time warp, time warp, time warp, Phoenix, 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 which was just like a miserable meta that kind of made me quit playing Historic altogether for a while. But now it seems like the format's actually in a, in a pretty healthy and fun place, I would say, based on this tournament. Anyway, let's uh, let's move on. We got we got a secret layer alert. I know this isn't a surprise anymore. We get secret layers on a regular basis, but this one's actually kind of interesting. They're doing something they've never really done before with a secret layer drop, which uh, the drop itself is called Astrology Lands. It's essentially just swamps with pretty cool art. Uh, but the twist here is this drop is going to be for sale literally for the entire year. The entire year of 2022, uh, you can just go to the secret layer website and order these swamps i think it's 30 dollars for five of them non-foil and then you get a bundle where you get 25 of them for 120 dollars uh, but it's interesting that this isn't aggressively time barred like other secret layer drops richard what do you think of this new drop in these new lands in this new style of releasing secret layers i'm waiting in my inbox to see if we get a new sponsor, a new a new singles <laughs> seller called secretlayer.wizards.com. They're just selling singles, right? This is just literally swamps you can buy directly from wizards at all time. Um, I don't know. Isn't that what they said they wouldn't do? So uh, I can see how they got here. It makes sense. They're like, oh, Secret Lair is so popular. How do we... How do we sell more? And people complain that, you know, they're limited. So here you go. We'll make it, you know, non-time limited, right? Seems like a win, except if you're an LGS, right? So I, 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 I don't know. And how, how does Wizards not just like set the price right here, right? Like the price of these cards is literally this, right? And that is the floor for the price as long as they're in stock. So they are just setting the price for this card and this card has only one printing because it's special art and it's only available on secret layers so so i don't know this i don't know this seems weird right they spent so long fighting against this and now here we are selling singles on on a watsi website yeah i mean it, it is very much selling singles way more so than past secret layer drops that they were still kind of selling singles but there was some constriction of supply because they were only available in the past for like 24 hours and then it got to be like a week or something uh, but this one really is not time limited at all on one hand it's basic lands and these are 1 million percent optional like no one needs six dollar a piece basic lands because you can play the free basic lands even really cool looking ones like a couple weeks ago we were talking about the new kamigawa lands and how they looked awesome and those are just coming in normal packs so no one needs to go out and buy these lands so on one hand this in specific seems relatively harmless like if they're gonna sell singles of something Basic lands, I don't think are going to tank any LGSs. The more interesting thing is if Wizard starts doing this with other cards, 
that opens up all kinds of interesting questions. Like on one hand, it could be a good thing. Like there's nothing stopping for players. At least there's nothing stopping wizards from being like, Hey, here's a Raghavan secret layer drop. We know you've been complaining about Raghavan being $80 a piece. Here's a Raghavan secret layer drop. You can get a copy directly from us for the entire year for $30. Anytime in 2022, if you need your Raghavans here, they are at a $50 discount over their current price. That would probably be a good thing for players because they can get a card at a cheaper price. On the other hand, if Wizards does start doing that, I feel like that would really wreck local game stores. I, we talk about problems in with local game stores and how they don't get that much support. We've been talking about that for years now, but that would be a really, really big deal if Wizards started selling non-basic land singles. Do you think this is a first step towards that, Richard? Or do you think this is just a cool basic land thing and we're we're reading too much into it by worrying about them selling a Raghavan or something this way? It's definitely a first step, like... So either this bombs and then they just try something else or this goes well and they're like, well, that went well. What if we, you know, tried with Raghavan? Let, let's see. Right. And, you know, like they will try it. Right. Like just like when Secret Lair was first announced, they had all these restrictions. Right. They're like, oh, you know, there's just like one thing. It's time limited. And over time, it was so successful. They started experimenting. And here we are selling singles. Um I feel this is the end of the LGS. Like, I, I don't know, right? Like, I think secret layers themselves, like, we make this argument that these are optional, right? That you can just buy the base copy, right? But at some point, the majority of money people spend is on cosmetics, right? Like, if the LGS can't get a cut of that, how are they going to stay in business, right? Like, the you know, the the cheap commodity that everyone sells at like a super low price, no margin. Yes, you get to sell that. But the super premium stuff that people pay a lot of money for and that you actually make a lot of money per card, that belongs to wizards. So like, I, I just don't see how this can keep going. Like at, at some point, there'll just be no cards to buy. And all we're doing is just buying like the 18th art of Soul Ring, right? And that won't be available at your LGS. So I don't know. Like, what do you think if... Tomorrow, they release all special cards only on Secret Lair. Like, for example, they release Raghavan 2.0 in Modern Horizons 3, and the, the base normal border comes in the boosters, uh, but, like, collector booster versions, alternate art, foils, promos, or whatever, just go, you know, go directly to Secret Lair. Like, is that okay? Man, I I really... I, I really don't know how that would go. Like... Oh, on one hand, I like the ability to access singles of, you know, cards that you need at a cheap price. On the other hand, I do think there are like very real concerns about local game stores if this just keeps happening, because you're very right. It, in some sense, it is a zero sum game like you have. X amount of dollars that you can spend on magic because you got to like pay your mortgage and like have food and a car and like whatever else you got to do in your life. So there's there's a finite amount of money you can spend. And for every dollar you're spending on astrology, you know, special swamps, that's a dollar you're not spending on, you know, whatever random commander cards from your LGS or sleeves or deck boxes from your LGS because there is a there is a cap on how much money everyone has to spend on this. So you're right. Even if it, these lands don't directly hurt a local game store because they're just basic lands, it is still, you know, funneling money directly to wizards and bypassing the local game store along the way. I don't know what to think about it, honestly. Like, I, I'm worried about the impact to local game stores. But at the same time, like, from a player's perspective, the idea of, like, wow, I could just, like, buy a Raghavan at a cheaper price than it's going for on the secondary market. 
that aspect is kind of appealing to me uh, because it would give a wizard it would give wizards a way to deal with what we were talking about last week which is like this huge price spiral that we see in modern where decks are just so expensive in large part because of Ragaban, because of solitude some of these modern horizons 2 cards it would be a way that wizards would make a bunch of money and players would theoretically be able to get the cards they need to play modern or play commander at a discount so that part is really appealing but boy i just i worry about the impact of cutting local game stores out of the ecosystem altogether and that seems to be the direction that these secret lair drops are heading so I don't know what would happen, honestly. Yeah, I I don't buy this marketing mumbo jumbo, right? Like, I'm I'm not giving wizards the opportunity to sell us Ragavans at a discount through Secret Lair, <laughs> like price Modern Horizons <laughs> at a lower price, right? Like set Ragavan at rare. Like there are many ways they could have done it, right? So with every opportunity, they try to extract maximum value out of us without angering us. So I, I do not give them that benefit of the doubt. So I don't want to see them setting singles prices. And I actually think we've gone too far with Secret Lair, right? Like it used to be cool, like, you know, once a year or once a quarter or something. Now, like every week we're getting like a Secret Lair and, you know, Secret Lair season will start up soon. And like, do we even need to go to a store? Do we even need to buy singles outside of Secret Lair at this point? I feel like in a year or two, you, you could just build entire commander decks and they're actually selling a commander deck. But outside of that one, you can just, you know, buy enough singles from a secret layers to build your decks. Yeah, I mean, if you add in the cards Wizard sells directly, like sealed product and commander decks and whatnot that they sell directly through Amazon, you could definitely do all of your magic shopping without buying from anyone other than Wizards directly. Like we've, we're definitely at that point already. And I guess it is a pretty good point that there's not much of a reason to trust wizards to be generous with stuff like this. So maybe maybe them selling Ragavans would end up being a bad thing and they're going to sell them for $100 a piece or something and make them even more limited in the actual pack so they can justify selling them at that price. So there isn't really much of a reason to trust wizards to make things cheaper for players because it just goes the other direction. Pretty much every time there's a there's a fork in the road, they choose the more expensive path. I will say if there's one like one little good thing about this is uh, they are selling five copies of each land, which is nice. Like your secret lair drop in the past, they've mostly been like one island, one swamp, one plains, one forest, etc., uh, etc. Et and something players have asked for is like, can I just buy more? I want to get a whole deck worth of these cards, but I don't want to buy 25, you know, secret lair drops that each contain one of each basic land. So it is not, that is a little bit of good news is it is a little bit more practical to actually get a full deck of these lands at the same time. Oh, they're pretty expensive. Like, I mean, I'm not going to begrudge anyone who wants to pay $6 a piece for a basic land that they really like. Uh, everyone, you know, spends their money on what they want. But it is amazing to me that Wizards has figured out a way to sell something that they give away to, for free for $6 a piece. And apparently a lot of people actually buy it because they keep doing these basic land secret lair drops. So they must sell enough of them to make it worth it, which that's kind of mind blowing to me that they, they figured out a way to make $6 basic lands like an actual thing that people buy. I, I think this is a misstep. Uh, the fact that it's five basics and they're exactly the same. I, I think matching lands is boomer magic, right? Like you you match lands to get the competitive advantage that if you get thought seized, right? Your opponent sees what lands are in your hands. And if you have mismatched art, if you draw a new one and play it later, they'll know. Outside of that, like, you know, aesthetics, right? Like you want all your lands to match. But with all of these promo versions, 
are you going to buy 20 new swamps every time there's a new secret layer swamp you like? Like, that's ridiculous, right? Like, you would just put one of each in your deck, right? You would have, you know, one of these astrology lands. You'd have, like, a Godzilla land or whatever, a Bob Ross land. So you can enjoy all your promos. So I, I think matching actually hurts. And I think it'd be better if it was just one of each color. Oh. I might have I might have started matching my basic lands for like competitive reasons because that's something you learn like oh like technically if someone thought seizes you like you can give away information but at this point for me it's mostly an aesthetic thing and like ah oh, it just it like physically hurts me when I have all these like but matching sweet basic lands and then I drop down like a do you really rotate through <laughs> like 50 <laughs> basics every time you want like a, a new secret layer like it's like infeasible uh, to keep up right uh, the secret is to only play old, old border lands, and then you get to avoid the whole problem altogether. <laughs> if that is your criteria, that they must have old border, then you don't even got to deal with secret layers. Wait, wait, <laughs> no matter wait, wait, how cool they, they are. Old border lands. I'm sure oh they'll reprint the beta lands at some point oh. with something. <laughs> don't do that to me, wizards, please. <laughs> <laughs> that would make me buy secret layer drops, I think. <laughs> they'll make you white border uh, lands, too, for Krim. Like, it'll, it'll totally happen. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, all right, let's let's keep moving on. This next topic kind of came by surprise. Uh, last week, Cedric Phillips and uh, to a lesser extent, Patrick Sullivan both announced they were leaving Star City Games. Uh, Patrick had I think he did like some like podcasts and stuff, but he, he hadn't really been an active full time SCG, uh, whatever content producer commentator for a while. Cedric I associate pretty heavily with SCG. Like he's been the, at the top of SCG for a really long time now doing commentary. So it kind of caught me by surprise to see both of them leaving really. And uh, they're both doing other things and they got a podcast and uh, I'm sure they're going to do super well with whatever they do next. Uh, next. But for me, it was pretty, pretty sad. Almost some of my best memories of competitive magic was watching old SCG events and the best events to watch were the ones with Cedric and Patrick Sullivan. Like they were so amazing together. As far as I'm concerned, the best magic commentary team period that we've ever had. I would watch SCG events just to watch them do the commentary. It'd be a format that I wouldn't really care about or like dead standard over the summer. And if I knew that Cedric and Patrick were going to be bantering and doing the commentary, that would get me to turn it on. So did you catch this news, Richard? Uh, what do you think about Cedric moving on and also Patrick? This is very sad because where will I get my WWE news and random like hockey like i don't know like just like <laughs> random stuff that they've like <laughs> given to us uh that i have uh, no care for otherwise but like nestled in here is some very so there's some like pretty disturbing things right like the personal thing of like cedric leaving right like so like he's not going to be part uh of scg's part of this community is, is one aspect but like the reasons why he's leaving is actually what strikes me most uh, he says coverage events of events, at least the way you think of it via Star City Games SCG Tour, isn't coming back anytime soon, right? Like, to me, that seems like the, you know, the the last draw for competitive magic, right? Like, if Wizards isn't doing it, we're like, oh, SCG will, will step up and do it. And SCG is like, actually, we're going to we're gonna take our commentating duo and, you know, we, we don't need them anymore and we don't need the, the head of broadcasting Right. And then also Cedric was also uh, head of all the content. Right. So what does this mean? Right. This means SCG is not making as much content or they don't think content is profitable or, or whatever. But 
the fact that they're moving away from content and they're moving away from tournament broadcasting, I think is pretty scary. Like I like that is this kind of scary news, right? It's not like Cedric left because, you know, he wanted to do something else or because he had other personal projects he wanted to work on. But like they basically said, we don't want to invest in these areas anymore. And then he had to leave. So I think that is kind of the 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 scarier news to come out of here. Yeah, I mean, I think the the content one is or the the tournament coverage one is definitely I got that from reading Cedric's post as well. Like that seemed like the the biggest issue was Cedric loved doing tournament coverage and SCD wasn't going to do it anymore. So he ended up, you know, resigning. I didn't see too much specifically about SCD, like cutting back on their content on their website. So I don't know how much of that will actually happen. But I do think it's definitely I mean, how do you watch tournament magic now? Like we went from a few years ago celebrating 4,000 player GPs, having a GP on almost every weekend, like 40 weekends a year would have GP coverage. And then almost every weekend would also have SCG coverage. A little bit before that, there would be two SCG events each weekend, like one on Saturday, one on Sunday. You'd have two full tournaments. There was every weekend you could just sit around and watch really awesome magic with great commentary teams. Now we have nothing. It is essentially completely gone every once in a while. I guess there's like some sort of wizards coverage that I don't even understand at this point with the the remnants, the dying gasps of the MPL before it officially sunsets in a few months. There's some regional stuff like Nerd Rage games. I occasionally see like broadcasting their tournament series, but I I don't know if Wizards isn't going to do it. And Channel Fireball has uh, kind of moved away from that. And SCG is moving away from that. It seems like this is just the end of the the era of magic tournament coverage. And this is an era that goes back to the mid 90s. We were talking about offcast a little while ago about how they used to broadcast magic on ESPN. That was like a real thing in the 90s, turning on actual ESPN or ESPN2 and watching a magic tournament, watching pro tour coverage, which is insane. And we had, you know, so much Twitch stuff, so many streams, pro tour coverage. And now that's just all gone. And to me, even though I'm not a spike, uh, that much of a spike, I've never been someone who's tried to qualify for a pro tour. Even for me, it feels like a big piece of Magic's history is just dying. And I don't know why it hit me so much with Cedric leaving SCG. Maybe it's because I was holding out hope like, oh, okay, Wizards, they're always going to mess things up. Channel Fireball, they're going a different direction. But at least we got SCG and SCG knows what they're doing with coverage. They got a great duel like they're going to they're going to, you know, carry this for everyone. And that didn't end up happening either. So. Do you think there's any chance we get coverage again, uh, Richard, other than like, you know, a random Watsy event every few months with, you know, whatever coverage they're doing? We're going to get some dead format tournament that no one cares about every once in a while. (laughs) Like, I I don't know. Like, this is it. I don't know. Like, uh, it's alchemy and standard or whatever arena thing they want to showcase. Like, this seems like the last stand for tabletop magic, right? Like. It's not profitable to run tournaments, nor is it to broadcast it for wizards, nor independent companies. Like, okay, like that's that's it, right? Like, who who else is going to do it? Like, you have basically Channel Fireball saying nope. You have Star City Games saying nope, right? And you have Wizards saying nope. So, like, who's left, right? I wonder. Hmm. I wonder if there's any chance. We were just talking about the the Hooglandia Open, uh, the the tournament that Jeff Hoogland throws, and I think he had Brad Nelson and uh, Jim Davis doing coverage with him, and he kind of does it from his basement. But I don't know if you've ever watched the Hooglandia Open. It is 
shockingly well done uh, considering the constraints of you're not a you know setting up a stage in an auditorium and you're a billion dollar company or whatever like for a streamer doing this on their own from their basement it's really really good do you think maybe maybe that's where we're heading and that door is going to open and we're going to see more Hooglandy opens and we're going to see more like is someone going to pick up this mantle even if it's more arena based now that there's this this huge opening essentially where no one else is doing coverage or do you think this is just going to continue to fade away and essentially we're just going to have you know random people streaming a draft streaming some whatever they feel like playing at the time and that's going to be the extent of like magic being played on the internet i mean yeah i think you're going to have hobbyists doing it right i mean like streamers you know uh streamers running tournaments uh but i i don't know that we're going to get kind of the big mass organized spectacle right that costs like a lot of money up front right you will have like low budget productions and some of them will be really good uh, but there, there was something about, you know, filling up a tournament hall, being all there and playing a tournament and, you know, having a very kind of official look to it or, you know, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you, like this, this is an official thing, uh, and people are here and it's something important. Uh, so like, I, I think that part is gone, right. But we, we will have lots of like community tournaments, user tournaments, and some of them will be really big. Uh, but I think they're going to run into the same problem, right? At some point, they're going to have the decision to up their production quality, uh, but they're going to find that the the monetary rewards is not worth it, right? So they'll just keep it, you know, low budget or minimal or whatever to just keep going. It kind of the other part that kind of shocked me of this uh, about this is SCG recently announced that they're expanding SCG Con. They're not bringing back SCG tours, but they did a couple. I think like once a year, twice a year, they did these SCG Con events where they were uh, kind of big conventions essentially that also had tournaments be part of them. They're expanding to do ten of them apparently in 2022. So even though there's not an SCG tour, there are going to be these big events, and they're going to have you know big modern events are going to have a comic out pre-release event along with a modern and a legacy event at one of them if they thought it was even a little bit profitable to do coverage they already have the tournaments all you got to do is you know roll cedric and patrick and a couple other people in there get the internet like set up your stuff like the tournaments are already happening and they still choose not to do coverage which Wow, that makes me think that it must really not be profitable to do magic coverage if you already are running the events anyway and you're still like, eh, no, it's just, it's it's not worth the effort to put them on Twitch. They, they should really just combine all their ideas and just have like secret layer spikes where you only sell like Ragavans and other insanely broken cards and you say, we're trying to raise, let's say, $5 million, or I don't know how much it actually costs, right, to run this, the circuit this year. And if we can raise $5 million from the secret layer, we're going to run the circuit, right? And then as a community, if you care about uh, competitive play, you might just buy 10 Ragavans for the sake of it, right? And like a lot of other games do this, right, where they have like special skins or special cosmetics that they sell that go directly towards the prize pool, of you know whatever tournaments they're running so i wish wizards was a little more innovative in, in this sense because i'm sure like they can conjure money out of thin air right they can print shock lands and fetch lands at will right and they can use that money to run competitive magic or run whatever they want to run that's otherwise unprofitable but they just don't want to do it is the problem that they don't want to do it or they're just 
so greedy that they don't want to put the profits of a secret layer into <laughs> into something Basically. like that. So like, I, yeah. I, the, the other proposition is like, you have five million dollars. Would you like to burn it on a tournament that yields nothing, or would you like to put it in your pocket? <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, I, yeah that, that might be the that might be the question that they're they're seeing and answering. Uh, yeah, I mean, I wish they do that too, and I think it would sell well. Like, I think there are enough people that care about organized play or whatever that I think people would buy a secret layer to fund a tournament or fund a tournament series if that was an option. So I also hope Wizards would go that direction. I just uh, don't have much faith in, in in Wizards doing the generous thing when the option is you know putting that money into their pocket or whatever. Uh, well, speaking of tournament formats and upcoming tournaments, which apparently still do happen. Uh, we got some alchemy news from Magic Arena in the past week. So uh, everyone was wondering, when are we getting more alchemy changes? When are we getting, you know, another round of rebalancings, which Wizards had said was going to be uh, monthly was their goal when they announced the format. And it had been about a month. The format released, I believe, if I'm remembering right, December 8th. So we're just a couple of days past a month now. So I was thinking and other people were thinking, OK, it's a it's a about time probably this week we're gonna get changes you know to the alchemy format see what gets uh, nerfed see what gets buffed and then magic arena tweeted out that uh <laughs> we know people are eager for new account uh, alchemy balances although to give players time to prepare we're gonna be waiting till after the next arena open and qualifier weekend before uh and doing any new changes and i looked up that tournament schedule i believe one happened this past weekend and the other ones in like two weekends the 22nd and 23rd so this to me is wizards like i don't even know it, it kind of blew my mind because the whole idea of alchemy is like fast changes fast changes it's 2022 we're digital now we're gonna have this hearthstone like format that's changing all the time and then this announcement to me read like the the most 20 10 2005 whatever paper magic thinking of like oh we're doing a tournament in three weeks uh, so we can't change the meta we need to give players time to prepare we need to let them practice or whatever what do you think about this richard like what do you think about the announcement that there's not going to be changes for another few weeks and what do you think about the reasoning behind these changes i mean i think the reason is just whatever they want to make up to not blame themselves uh, I, I think our editor said you know, they, they, they didn't do anything because it was the holidays, so they didn't prepare anything. So they're just punting it off, uh, which I, I tend to believe as well. Um, but as you were describing that, what I think of is like Wizards has like a 20 year old like beater Civic or something. They like popped off the H and put on a Lamborghini uh, <laughs> emblem. And they're like, <laughs> they're like, yeah, check out my new Lambo, guys. <laughs> right. Like, I, I think that's what this is, right? Like, the whole point of alchemy yeah. was it's supposed to be fast moving and they, they can ban and buff things at will. And precisely for that reason, they got criticized, right? People are like, whoa, 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 this is like crazy, right? So they, they took all the criticism for it, but they didn't get any benefit for it because they're not actually moving fast and furiously, right? They're going super slow using the excuse of competitive integrity. Like it's another dead tournament before it starts right like how how to like make sure your tournaments fail tell everyone the yeah. metagame will be stale weeks ahead of time right like what yeah 
Uh, I thought we were done with the lame duck format thing with alchemy. Like I thought that uh, the whole idea of the format would mean that wouldn't happen. And now it's still happening. The events are going to throw. Everyone's going to who's going to watch the qualifier weekend or whatever, because everyone knows you're going to just nerf and buff things maybe the next day or like within the next week or something like very shortly thereafter, which is kind of a big part of what killed a lot of the MPL and a lot of stuff with organized play recently was having uh, tournaments at times when people just didn't care about the format because the meta was already solved and they're kind of somehow managing to do the same thing with alchemy which is just so hilarious to me so i don't know maybe it is the holiday thing the thing is if wizards came out and they said hey we know we said we're going to do alchemy rebalancings monthly we take two weeks off over the holidays we're all just getting back to work it's going to be a little slower this time I would have been like, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Like, no problem. Like, sure, I get it. Everyone, you know, it's the holidays. Like, that that makes a ton of sense. But because it was this weird, like, oh, players got to prepare for the tournaments and, like, shifting it back to the community rather than just, like, being like, hey, you know, we're not ready to do it yet. Like, deal with it. Like, that made it way worse for me and made me even more upset with the announcement just because of the way they announced it. Like, uh, I don't know. I think if they don't make quick changes to alchemy, and maybe they still will in the future and they'll learn from this and it'll be fine. But I think that really kills the the format. Like the whole point of the format is things are going to change quickly and we're not going to have to deal with dead metas. If you're just going to play dead metas, you might as well just play standard. Like what's the upside of alchemy? Why did why does it exist if you're not going to change it on a regular basis like you were planning on doing? So, so I don't know. Oh. Assuming they're telling oh, the ahead. truth and they're actually holding off changes for competitive integrity. What do you what do you think about that? Like should we be making like basically allowances for pro play so we've had andrew cuneo on the podcast a few times and he's someone who's been a pro for a long time and when i talk to him it sounds like at least him and other pros as well don't want to play on that schedule they, uh, it's not like they need three weeks of of time uh to be able to prepare for a tournament so i think when people say oh it's uh, you know the pros need that or it's because of the pros i don't even really think that's true from what i remember is a lot of the pros wanted tournaments to happen earlier in the set release period they didn't want to be playing tournaments with dead meta games right before a bnr or whatever like that actually was not something the pros would want so i don't buy it i think that's just watsy watsy talk or whatever marketing talk uh, and not actually the reality of the situation. I do think but as a viewer, I would love to see them be like, hey, we're nerfing everything on Friday, the tournament Saturday, like do your best, everyone. Like that would be a really interesting tournament to watch. That's probably not practical, but from what I've seen people talking about and from talking to the pros, I think that if there was a week of lead time or something, that would probably be perfectly fine and acceptable and maybe even more enjoyable to a lot of the people playing these tournaments. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they should just do the thing right before the tournament, right? Like, you can just say, instead so of fun. rewarding grinding a million matches, we're now rewarding people that can adapt on the fly. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's perfectly fine. Like, I, I don't know. And most pros seem fine with it, and they, too, don't want to play this, like, stale metagame. But also, another thing is just have a tournament realm, right? Like, if you're so intent on having people play the format they practice, then run the tournament on... Um, a special realm that runs a different patch. And, you know, that would not solve the viewership problem. Tournament would still be kind of lame for viewers, but at least players can play the new cards and they're not being kind of held hostage by pro play that they're not a part of, or, you know, they don't even watch, they don't even care, right? They just want cool cards and their cool cards are being held up because of a tournament they don't care about. So other games use a different patch system. 
or just spring it on the pros, right? Just two hours before oh. tournament, we're going to do a rebalance. <laughs> like we'll give you an hour to build your deck oh. and then let's go. Right. So like, I think that'd be fine. And I think also from what I've heard people talking about this, part of this is on wizards and their super slow system, because I saw some pros talking about this in response to the announcement and saying, well, part of the issue is they want us to submit our deck list like a week or more ahead of time. So so if the tournament's a week away, wizards wants a week of lead time to get the deck list to do. I don't even know whatever it makes some graphics, whatever they do with the deck list. So I think it would also require changing, you know, some of wizards processes, but I think it would totally be worth it. Also, rather than changing before tournament which would be super entertaining what about mid tournament like after each round just nerf or buff something like oh in round one someone won with outrun's epiphany boom one more mana for next round <laughs> <laughs> that too would, much <laughs> <laughs> that's actually kind of interesting um <laughs> but you're kind of playing like limited like essentially everything we're describing is limited right like okay you, you won three rounds okay new deck <laughs> right like like yeah. draft again right <laughs> uh but that you know like you take the top 10 cards and you nerf them or something like after six rounds like that. I, like, or, yeah, like going into day two or whatever, like between day one and day two, shake it up with with changes. That would uh, that could actually be fun. Uh, well, speaking of arena. <laughs> Oh, it was not not the best week for Rita. Um, we had a, we had a bug alert, Richard. What a, what's bugged on on Magic Arena now? All right. From Wizards customer support, we have discovered a bug in Arena that you're unable to sideboard if you use Dracula basic lands. Until we create a fix, please avoid using these lands in best of three, including the Decathlon finals. So, Richard, I'm not a programmer. How? Why? Why? Why would one basic land, but getting a card style at basic land, which is what the Dracula lands are, why would that make it bugged Nobody like knows. i i really i really don't get bob it bob ross is bugged too uh, apparently reading the comments but like wizards has these really weird bugs where like the same card but different printing like does different things and you're like why you know why would that be the case and it's not like it does like completely different things like it like acts like a bolt when it should be an o-ring but it's like a slightly different o-ring i'm like are they like redoing every card by hand even if they're the exact same oracle like i don't know what's going on but this does not bode well, right? There, there's like the spaghetti code meme from all games where you're just like, you know, today it's a full moon and for some reason Magic Arena stopped working and I'm not sure why, right? Like, why would a particular basic break your deck? Who knows? Uh, but that's, that's just very suspicious. But, you know, we, we don't associate wizards with high quality digital. So here it is. I was I was reading some Reddit posts and hearing people talk about this who know way more about programming than me. And it seems like people are thinking that they like program each basic land separately. Like a swamp isn't a swamp isn't a swamp. Well, but every single different swamp is like its own individual card on Arena, which from people who are talking about it in no programming seem to think it was like a mind-blowingly horrible system when you could just have a swamp be a swamp and then change the art on the swamp and a swamp would all be one card. Uh, does that make sense with what you know of programming, Richard? Like, could they I be mean, doing I, I it that way? I don't think any programmer would think this is sane, <laughs> right? I mean, they'll <laughs> understand, like, there are bugs, right? But, like, some of the choices that I've seen wizards do with, like, the A-alchemy cards and how it doesn't <laughs> seamlessly move between cards and... Something like that, you know, 
they're making some questionable design choices. But what's weird is this is not their first go at it, right? There was Moto V3, Moto V4, Magic Arena, Duels of the Planeswalkers. Like, they've had so many years to figure out how to best represent Magic cards. And the fact that there's multiple editions and different Oracle texts and things like that. But here we are, right? Like, they're still <laughs> unable to make, like, basic cards work correctly. <laughs> Yeah, so someone said uh, it was it was all uh, to promote Magic Online with the slogan "Magic Online." At least the basics work, <laughs> which <laughs> but is they actually don't. like kind of true. <laughs> they don't remember sometimes they get like you know your cards are different borders. Uh. Oh, that's yeah that <laughs> yeah I guess you're right. Maybe the basics don't work there either. <laughs> well, don't play the don't play the Dracula lands. And one other question is someone who's not a programmer like. Can Wizards fix this or is it too late? Like if you get in this position where you made probably not great choices and all your swamps aren't the same. So you end up with some of them being bugged and some of them not. Is it possible from a programming perspective to be like, hey, let's fix this. Let's go back through our code and, you know, make it so a swamp is a swamp. And then we'll just change the art when someone gets a different card style. Or has that ship sailed, basically? Never. Is there such a huge web of spaghetti code that it's just not really possible to go back to that point? It's never, because the value proposition is like, okay, how about we halt all development and for a year, like, retool this <laughs> so it works going forward? And, like, no one ever says yes to that, right? So you just hope that when Arena V2 comes out, they do it right. But if it's the same team and the same people, probably not, right? So, you know, or, you know, maybe they didn't have enough time, right? So they had to take shortcuts, and now the shortcuts are coming back to bite you, right? Like, if you skip your homework, you know, don't do any studying and just go party. When it comes exam time, you might be screwed, and there's nothing you can do about it then, right? So I think Wizards is kind of stuck now, right? They have this system, and... You know, every new mechanic, every new card, they just bolt on more bandages and hope it holds, right? And then that's that's where we're at. <sighs> well, one more bit of news before Fishmail. Uh, Hasbro, the parent company of Wizards, they have a new CEO, and it's a familiar name. It is former Wizards of the Coast CEO, Chris Cox. So a longtime Hasbro CEO, Brian Goldner, uh, tragically passed away a couple months ago, and uh, essentially, they promoted the wizard CEO to run the entire company, which is kind of interesting because I think Chris Cox is a person who uh, came in as wizard CEO right around when Arena was launching. So theoretically is the person in charge of uh, secret layers of Arena monetization. A lot of these changes that have greatly boosted wizard's profits, but have also been met with a lot of resistance in some cases from the community, anger from the community. What do you think about this choice of Chris Cox for CEO? Do, does this mean we got a, a magic person at the top of the company and it's great for magic? Or does it mean we got someone who's, you know, knows how to squeeze money out of people? We should expect more of the same. I think this is bad news. I think what this means is everything that he's done since 2016, I guess, is when he joined, right? Like, so it's been like five, six years. They're like exceptional job. Like, great job. So good that you're now CEO of the parent company, right? So, you know, expect more secret layer money squeezing. Expect more magic arena, whatever, right? Like, to in the eyes of Hasbro, these are all great successes. So I expect more of the same to come. And it also means, like, maybe he wasn't at odd. Like, it's not like he had some ideas for magic, but then Hasbro, like, slapped him down and be like, no, do this, make money. 
Like if there was that kind of um, tension or like, uh, you know, conflict, like he, he might not have been CEO. So I don't know. This all points to like everything is going according to plan. Now that he's CEO, it'll even accelerate further. Uh, I would rather just see like a new CEO, <laughs> maybe someone with a different focus. Uh, so I don't know. They, they seem very pleased with this. They're, they're like quoting things like multi-channel expansion and digital back-end developers. Like they're all success stories, right? But to me, I'm very wary. It seems just like more secret layers, more time-limited money squeezes, more arena gouging, right? Like, so I don't know. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I am as well, that uh, if they're hiring him to be the CEO of the entire company, that must mean that they think that he did a pretty good job with magic. And I guess from the perspective of the shareholders or whatever, who it says in the announcement, they doubled Wizards revenue since he got there in the last five years, which is something they've been talking about doing for a while. Like they did that super quick. And that is secret layer drops. And that is arena monetization. All the stuff we've been talking about that is reflected in that bottom line. So from their perspective, he probably is doing an amazing job. But from the perspective of someone who's, you know, concerned about the community and the long term health of the game and how expensive, you know, arena can be and uh, secret layers impact on local game stores. It seems like we're just going to keep getting more and more of that. If if Hasbro thinks that's working to such an extent that they're going to hire the person who implemented all that to be the CEO of the company, it will be interesting to see who Wizard CEO is. I guess that would be the, the only other thing. But I assume that as a president uh, or as a CEO of Hasbro, Probably Chris has a big say in that. So I assume it'll be one of, you know, his guys, so to speak, who will, you know, do what he wants to do. So I I don't know if the new CEO will come in and save magic, quote unquote, or like make huge changes. But it'll be interesting to see what the selection for wizard CEO is. What does this mean for Monopoly sets or Transformers? Will there be like secret layer? <laughs> how, how do you do it? I mean, I oh, they can definitely do, do secret layer monopoly. There's <laughs> just a monopoly edition that's time, like Super Bowl monopoly time limited. Next six weeks, buy it now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, probably. Like, I, I would assume would you like etched foil monopoly so. <laughs> monopoly cards and money sets. <laughs> oh no! Ooh, They'll well, curl just the same. <laughs> They'll fit in the box. <laughs> Oh, all right. I think <laughs> I think that's all of our topics for today. So, uh, Richard, why don't you fish mail us? All right. If you have questions, send them to at Goldfish with the hashtag MGFishmail. I'll get to your questions on air. Uh, Charles M. Salanka, in an old podcast, Richard argued that 20 card sideboards or argued against 20 card sideboards because everyone get hosed by only mid range piles that could survive games two and three. But what if we had 40 card sideboards? You could board it a new whole color. Ooh. Ooh. What if you had 60 card sideboards and could just switch decks? Like each deck was two decks. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. That would be very different. I, I think if you had a sideboard that was big enough that you could basically change your entire deck, I think that would just completely change how the game is played like that would be different than what we think of as traditional sideboarding where you get a few silver bullets and can you know upgrade a few cards for certain matchups if you had 40 slots you really could i mean you could change all the non-land cards in your deck you could be a burn deck and turn into mono red prison like easily like that would be something you could do uh whether or not that would be a good thing i don't know but it would certainly be a seismic change to how the game is played what about I don't know if Hearthstone still does this, but like it used to be like you could bring like a like three decks or something, right? And then you would yeah. choose it and, and play. 
Like, would that fix the metagame? Like, even if there is a best deck in the format, sure, that's one of your decks. But now there's, like, two other decks you need to build, right? So it brings, like, the depth and brings value to the less powerful cards because you need to play with them. I feel like we tried that in the early era of arena tournaments. Didn't we have tournaments that were like that for best of one? And it was like pretty miserable. But maybe in best of three, it would be it would be interesting. Yeah, I don't know. It would just be. Hmm. So you're thinking like switch decks going into game two, essentially. But then you're kind of like, aren't you just playing best of one? <laughs> Isn't that kind of a three, you know, a best of one, best of one match, best of three, best of one match or something? Maybe. I, I don't know. I, I'm trying to get to like a, a like a League of Legends model or something, right? Where there may be some OP champions, but you still need five people on the team, <laughs> right? So you need to like fill them in with like support or role players or uh, something that's not maybe top tier meta. And that allows you access to the full spectrum, right? Like, because there's no reason to play something besides like, say, Epiphany, right? The only reason is like, oh, I'm not running Is it because I need to run this other deck. Uh, like, like, I guess, like, I guess the team, remember the team events where like, if you're, uh, if one of your teammates has this card in your deck, you can't use it. And like, uh, that caused yeah. people to play like lower strength cards and like gave reason for the, the mid powered cards. Yeah. I, I like the goal. I like the goal a lot. I don't know exactly how to achieve that goal, but I do think finding a way to encourage people to play, you know, less of just the top cards and the top decks would definitely be a positive. I don't know if 40 sideboard cards would be the would be the thing that actually did that. Uh, but I do think that would be really sweet if we could figure out a way how to make that happen. All right. Next question. Dark Avengers 771. Do you guys think we'll get a remaster product from an older block? I'd like to see them remaster the portal sets. Ooh, oh, portal is actually a really good a really good option for remastering because that's a side that was really old and not super widely available another yeah that would be that would be excellent um i do think we'll see more remastered blocks uh, we just got time spiral remastered was the most recent one it seems like it was kind of a really big success to the point where it was sold out and really hard to get in a lot of places so i think wizard sold a lot more than they expected of it based on that so i do think we'll we'll see more of them whether or not they actually do portal i like that idea a lot whether or not they actually get to portal I don't know, but I would be really surprised if there weren't more old remaster sets. We really just need a new portal set. I don't know if it needs to be remastered, but like where all the cards are like two mana, two, two, and that's it, right? Like, you, like, you don't like, can you imagine teaching a new player today with the latest standard set? Like they're trying to grasp the concept of power and toughness. And then you're reading like a textbook of like a double face card to them. And like, they need to understand like six mechanics on a card, right? Like, I think a very simple set for beginners where like all the cards are vanilla, they do very simple things, uh, would be great for getting new players into the game. That's actually a really, a really good idea. Maybe, maybe it would even be like commander focused <laughs> with how much, uh, commander is like what's driving paper magic at this point. But yeah, I mean, I don't know how you teach a new player or something today. Like there's just too many words on cards, too much stuff going on. So yeah, I actually kind of, I really like that idea. I hadn't thought about a new portal set, but that might actually be really beneficial. Yeah. Plus we need more like fake versions of good cards <laughs> that had cheaper <laughs> prices. <laughs> that was the whole gimmick of Portal, right? Like they just like reprinted cards and maybe powered them down slightly, but they were still really good. 
and they took like all the yeah. instants and just made them sorceries. <laughs> like it was actually pretty interesting. Uh, Vinicus Abessa, what if Modern Horizon set saved mythic slots for reprints? This would accomplish a lot. It would provide supply of expensive cards, would make new cards more accessible, and would it affect sales? That actually seems pretty reasonable. I would say as long as they're also doing a like a master set or something just specifically for reprints i actually kind of like that solution the only downside i can see is uh, there are cards that we would like to be reprinted and drop in price like fetch lands let's say like if if they had to put the fetch lands at mythic to meet some rule like this it would not drop the price nearly as much but as long as we're getting enough reprints in other places that that's not a concern I actually like that idea because that would make sure that Wizards is not printing like the four of new constructed staples, Aragavans and Solitudes or whatever at Mythic, which is a big reason why they're so expensive right now and why Modern's so expensive right now. I mean, this just sounds like removing Mythics, right? So like the, <laughs> the rarest thing is rare now, right? And then you have a, a reprint slot in your booster? Basically, yeah. Hmm. I don't know if Wizards would go for removing Mythics. Like, I think what, what would happen if they just I mean, removed the question, Mythics uh, from like the whole, like the, all the sets going forward had no Mythics? Like, would cards actually get cheaper? No, <laughs> I think people forget. I mean, and I guess it makes sense because Mythics have been around for a long time now. But I think people forget how expensive other cards were. Like, the overall cost of playing Magic, I don't think would drop because of that. The cost of Ragavan or whatever would drop, but then other cards would get more uh, more expensive. Back before there were mythics, it was just like the chase rares that were really expensive, and you had whatever fifty dollar birds of paradise or like uh, the pain lands when they were first printed were you know thirty dollars a piece. When now the rare land cycle that we get in a new set, even if it's heavily played, is five bucks, two bucks, eight bucks. So I think that uh, the cost is still going to be there. It's just going to be distributed different uh, differently throughout the set. All right. So the answer is secret layer modern horizons mythics where you can buy 16 yes. mythics for a low low cost for like 30 dollars that's very generous of you seth i was thinking 200 dollars um all right so thank you to everyone who sent in fish mail this week if you have questions send them to at mtg goldfish with the hashtag mtg fish mail and we get to your questions on air and I believe that brings us to the end of episode 363 of MTG Goldfish Podcast. So, Richard, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And we will be back next week to talk about whatever goes on in the world of magic. So, until then, have an amazing week, everyone. And this is the crew signing out.